Okay, so I was getting ready to come to church last Sunday, and my wife's coming to the 11 o'clock service, and I'm coming to the 9, so I'm up, I'm up early. She's sitting there propped up in bed, sipping on her first cup of coffee. And I'm at the sink, I holler in there something to her, and it's very smart aleck, but it's very funny. And I get no response out of her. So I'm thinking she didn't hear it, so I say it again a little bit louder, no response, because it was funny, it was very funny. And so I peeked my head around the door. I said, hey, that was supposed to be funny. I, I need the message that I'm doing today to come across super funny. She sips her coffee. She says, well, so far it's not looking good. <laughs> Little grin breaks out between the back of her coffee. I saw it. I seriously laughed myself all the way to the garage. Laughed all the way there. And then in driving here, I, I thought to myself, you know, my wife, isn't she some, she's 56 years old, she's a grandma of four, and she still wakes up every day like a teenage girl, very slow and grouchy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there she is right there. She's the one that's all over me. That woman has been all over me since high school. Back in high school, I had to set boundaries. I had to say, look, until you put a ring on this, this is to look at, not to touch. <laughs> be doing it. We had to move our wedding date up twice. She couldn't keep her hands off of me. But you won't, if you don't, if I don't show you, especially some of you are no, you won't even know who she is because my wife will never be on the platform. You are not, you, you could not find two more people in this auditorium that are more polar opposite than Ann and I. The reason why you got to see her here, she'll never be on the platform. She will never have a microphone in her hand, ever. Matter of fact, our security have been alerted that if they ever see Anna in this room and a microphone in her hand, do two things. Number one, call for backup. And number two, take her down. <laughs> because that will have meant she has completely lost it and she's about to just go on a rampage. That's what that means. But we are absolutely 100% polar opposite. I am a 29-point choleric, 10-point sanguine. She is a 30-point melancholy, 7-point phlegmatic. A couple of weeks ago, my sweetheart took the test again. She took it years ago. She brought it in there to me. I didn't even know she was retaking the test. And she handed it to me, and she goes, I'm sorry. I said, why are you sorry? She said, well, what do you think I am? And I go, well, you're a melancholy phlegmatic. She says, I am a 30-point melancholy. Good Lord, you are married to Hitler. <laughs> I said, you're not Hitler. You're just who you are. God, you're who God wired you up. And here's the truth of the matter. I, I adore her. I've been married to her 39 years. I've known her since she was 16 years of age. I truly adore her. I am crazy about her, and we love each other. And we enjoy each other, and we annoy the heck out of each other. And the truth is, I annoy her a whole lot more than she annoys me because of her phlegmatic side. But I make her think that it's 50-50. Now, last week we started something in here, and we're going to finish it today and next Sunday. And how we started it is by me telling you that you have annoyances in your life. You have weaknesses. There is not a person on this planet that if you marry them, you're not going to annoy. I want a man who will not annoy me. They do not exist 
on the planet. You're never going to find somebody like that because you have weaknesses, you have annoyances. I told you you had a problem. And this is what I showed you. I showed you last week you had a log in your eye. I told you there was something wrong with you, so quit trying to pick at the splinter in your mate's eye while you got a big old, and Jesus is the one that started the whole thing, and this is what he said in Matthew chapter 7. He said, and why worry about the speck that's in your friend's eye when you've got a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get that thing out of your eye, when you can't see past the log that's in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get rid of the log that is in your own eye. And that is going to take everybody in this room a minute. Before you start picking and annoying somebody else for not being exactly like you hope that they would be, you have got to deal with the log that is in your own eye. Now, last week I gave you an assignment, and the assignment was, Madeline, will you bring me those? Would you run those over here to me? The assignment was that you figure out who you are, and that's so very important. Thank you very much. How God wired you, not your body type, your body size, but who you are on the inside. Because who you are on the inside, how God wired you, will not change. I have been married to Anna for 39 years. Knew her since we were 16 and, and, uh, and, and 17 years of age. When I dated her, she was a melancholy phlegmatic. With all of the exposure she has had to this, for all of these years, I have been with her almost every day of our life for all of these years. She still is a melancholy phlegmatic. She has not changed to be more like me at all. Matter of fact, she may have even become worse <laughs> as a melancholy phlegmatic. So this about you is not going to change. Now, we also made mention that in this room, there are four major temperament types. You're actually a blend of two. So you are going to be a cleric sanguine, a sanguine melancholy, a melancholy phlegmatic. You're not just one, but the four major types, as you see on the side screen, are these. Now, identify yourself. A sanguine is a people person. A choleric is a project person, a personality type, boom, driven person. A melancholy is a perfectionist. It's got to be done this way, coloring the lines, all of that. A phlegmatic is a very peaceful person, no drama, right? Now, as a communicator, I am aware that all four of those temperaments are in this room today. And every time we communicate, we realize you are receiving the information as your particular temperament. And we have to deal with that as we communicate. So I don't like saying anything that is wrong. If I say something that is a mistake, I meant to say that, but I said this, for instance. If I say, watch how you process this. If I say, oh, man, last summer I was up on the mountain in my Jeep, and whoo, it was so beautiful, and the sky was so green, and the grass was so blue, it was just... The melancholies in the room are immediately thinking, he made a mistake. Somebody needs to stand up and correct it for the record. Right? The sanguines are thinking, ha, 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 he screwed up, that's funny. Right? The clerics are thinking, oh, I know what he meant to say, I already corrected it into my mind, we don't need to go back, go ahead, just move forward. And the phlegmatics are thinking, oh, he said that backwards, I hope nobody corrects him because that will make it feel awkward in here. <laughs> Am I right? So in order for you to really understand who you are and what you bring to the table, you need to know your numbers. You need to know what, you're, what, what you are, and that's why we made these available. Now, last week we only had a few. This week we picked up about another 500 more. They're available for you at the, at the information counter. So just go get them, take one per family, go home and fill it out. Last Sunday was so funny. I was walking around the outside of the auditorium trying to make it to the lobby, and one of our ladies in the service was going toward her car, and she goes, Pastor, 
She goes, hi, Pastor Uber. I said, hey, how you doing? She goes, I didn't get a test. And I go, well, why not? She goes, well, after the service was over, I got to talking to somebody, and I was trying to get back there. And then I started talking to somebody else. And by the time I got back there, all the tests were gone. And I went, huh. And she goes, and now I can't find my car. And I went, you don't need to take a test. You're a sanguine. Well, each one of our temperaments have the ability to bring amazing things to the table, and we also have the ability to bug the heck out of other people. Now, you need to understand this, a couple of things, if you're a member here at, at Fellowship Church. The first thing is that I want you to know before I, get, before I keep going is the fact that you, uh, you, are, uh, you are being taught by cholerics. Every teacher that we have uh, is a cleric. Uh, your lead pastor is cleric. I am a cleric, Pastor Tim, executive pastor, cleric, and Pastor JL, our associate pastor, is a cleric. So when we communicate to you, we do with a cleric style of teaching because that's who we are. We do not paint pictures for you. We do not. Uh, we went down a path the other day, and there were flowers on that path, and on those flowers were yellow butterflies. And as those yellow butterflies flied around those flowers, all of a sudden there was a stream, and the stream. We're just going to tell you what's at the end of the path. We are not going to describe the path to you. Okay. So as a cleric, we will cut to the chase. Now Max Lucado, if you've ever read him, very colorful writer, love him. Joel Osteen, love Joel Osteen. He's not a cleric, he's a sanguine. So therefore, we are not going to communicate. We will communicate like that. Here's the second thing you need to know if you're a member of our church. The smaller the room, the more expensive the lesson. Look at that, look at that. The smaller the room, everybody say this. The smaller the room, the more expensive the lesson. Now net that one out in your head for a second. Learn about nutrition and exercise in a big room, or you learn about it in a hospital room. Learn about no drugs in a big room, classroom, or you learn about it in a jail cell. The smaller the room, the more expensive the lesson. So what you're about to hear in here today is what you would hear in a counselor's office at $150 to $235 per session. So learn it in the big room, or you go into a small room, pay more money for it to hear the very same thing we said in the big room. The smaller the room, the more expensive the lesson. That is so important. And then finally, here's the last thing I want you to know. We will never take you backwards. As cholerics, we will take you from where you are forward. I'm not going to talk about your past mistakes. I'm not going to talk about your past marriage. I'm not going to talk about your past relationship because I don't care. That does not matter to where you are right now and how you're. We want to take you from where you are right this minute to the greatest life you can possibly live. And we're not going to do that by talking about your past. So when we talk to you, we're only dealing with that which we want to use to take you forward. Now, last week I gave you a verse that told you that I had permission by my almighty God to overlook my own lie, my own log, and to tell you what is wrong with you. Remember that verse? It's the verse that gives me permission to hug your neck or to kick your butt. You remember that verse? I showed it to you last week. And then there's a verse, another verse, that's for you that goes something like this in the book of Hebrews, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. 
Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. So we take what we do very seriously. I want to do a good job. I know i got to answer to God. I want to tell you what God wants you. I don't want to get my own opinion into it. It's all about God. So we pray about it. We work 8 to 15 hours to give you one 30-minute talk, and we work very hard at it. Here's your responsibility. So give them reason to do this with joy and not be a pain in the neck. No, and, and not with sorrow. Same thing. And then it says, that would certainly not be a benefit to you. What wouldn't be a benefit to you? Don't get mad at me. Do you hear what I said? Don't get mad at me. So if I'm telling you something that is from the Bible and of God and it has to do with, well, he's telling me something nobody's ever told me in my entire life. Well, thank God for that. Learn it in a big room. Skip the little room. But don't get mad at me because that won't be any fun for me and then you'll stop listening. So I'm going to tell you some stuff about some temperaments in here just in the the next few minutes that we have together, and I'm asking you not to get mad at me. I want you to promise you won't get mad at me. Okay? Are you ready? Okay. I want everybody right out loud to say, I promise. Oh, wait a minute. I just want the women to say it. I I don't want the men to say it because, frankly, I don't care if you get mad at me or not. Because if the men get mad at me, they're going to be over it before the Bronco game this afternoon. <laughs> they'll be sitting in their house and they'll say, boy, Hooper said something that made me mad. Really? What did he say? I don't know, but I think I felt something. <laughs> well, what was it? I don't know. Pass the chicken wings. Go Broncos. And you're over it. If you women get mad at me, you'll, 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 it'll take a minute. So I want all the women to say right, after, right out loud with me, I promise I won't get mad at you today. I just said today, so I'm not counting on anything more than that. All right, so here we go. Every one of our temperaments have what I call relationship aggravations. These are not sins, but over the long run, they can aggravate the other person. Now, when you add to that the blends of a couple of different ones, now we add the aggravations on top of aggravations. Let me just pick on a few. Can I pick on a few? Now, you promised not to get mad at me. Okay, let's start with the male. If you are a choleric melancholy, and you're a high choleric, meaning you're like, there's only 40 points. So, and by the way, the test gives you questions with four multiple choice. Whichever question, however you answer that, with that multiple choice, puts you in a category where you're going to be one of the other, right? So if you are a high choleric, meaning say 22, 23, 24 point choleric, and a high melancholy, woo, 17, 16, Point melancholy, okay. If you are a high choleric melancholy as a male, let me, t- let me share with you. You are going to be awesome and successful at work. Oh my gosh, I'd like to partner with you. Because you are going to get the job done. You are going to get it done meticulously and you will not quit till it's done. I will invest in that kind of man. Man, we can, we can go together. Oh man, you are, you're the kind of guy I love. I love, love doing work with that kind of guy. Choleric melancholy. Woo, yeah, man, you, you're successful, but you may, you may, come on now, don't go all choleric on me, but listen, you may win at work and have a propensity to lose at love. Because you're so self-sufficient, you can get it done at work, and you love work. Listen to a choleric work is a vacation. The wife's saying, honey, let's take a vacation. I, I go on a vacation every day, babe. I go to work every day. I love it. I love work. So therefore, you're really good at work, but if you're not careful, you're not in touch with emotions, 
and relationship. So now all of a sudden you're great at work and you're losing at love. I had a buddy, he's 12 years older than me. He's a very successful businessman out of Dallas. 30 years ago, he was in my Bible class, and he was a very strong choleric melancholy. And he made his first million, and then he got married. And after he got married, his marriage fell apart because he was an idiot. And so, therefore, he lost everything, and he split it up. All the assets were, had to be split up. While he was single again after that divorce, he, made it, he got to be a millionaire again. And then he married a girl out of my Bible class who was a keyboard player, and she was beautiful and very smart and intelligent. And he, she, I mean, she was way over his head. And so they get married, and then it falls apart. And then he loses everything again. And then he, while he's single, he becomes a millionaire again, marries another girl that was in our Bible class. And when this one was falling apart, he finally came and said, Hooper, I don't know what's going wrong. I said, are you kidding me? He said, No. I said, dude, you are a choleric melancholy that feels like you have to be right and running it all the time. And women don't like that. I said, let her win. Let her have the house. Let her have the house, take the lead in the house and the relationship. And you, take, you be you at work and let her have the home and the relationship. You'll have, and she, he goes, well, uh, listen, if I'm right, I'm right. And I'm going to let him know I'm right. And I'm like, well, hey there, lonely boy. How's that working out for you? <laughs> you know, I have been, and men, let me tell you something. You're clear. Melancholy. I love you. I think you're awesome. But you've got a propensity. You've got to be careful and just hand the reins over to her. And, if you, and every once in a while, just be wrong. Be wrong on purpose. Don't tell her you lost on purpose, but hand her the reins and go, you know better than me. I've been doing matchmaker here at the church for over 25 years. I love being a matchmaker. I will, I will match you up. You tell me you're single, I'll look around for you. I will find somebody. I will match you up. I love it. And you know why I love it? Because I hate watching a single person walking around here all happy. I'll match you up with somebody. I'll wipe that smile right off your face. Tell me I won't do it. But men, listen, I have never had a woman walk up to me in over 25 years and say, Pastor, i tell you what I'm looking forward to. We have any men around here that are control freaks and always have to be right. That's what I want. I want a control freak that's always right. Now, if you are a choleric, melancholy female, let me talk to you a minute. Now, do not identify yourself. No, don't identify her. You bring another challenge to the table. Remember me saying that there are some temperaments that do not work very well with other temperaments? Let me say this about you choleric, melancholy women. You're strong-willed. You can get it done. You do it right. And you can run a corporation. And I say, sister, I am so proud of you. You can run a corporation. You just can't run this one. That is not a temperament that works with me. Not at all. I had a choleric, melancholy female who was a personal assistant. I loved her. Anna loved her. She loved us. We, oh, she was great. Got it done. Got it done right. But every five or six months, I'm barking at her. She's barking at me. And, and back and forth. And I'm like, hey, hey, hey. And then I would let her know who the alpha dog was in this pack, and she finally got back in the line, even though she didn't in, really, in her head really think that 
She thought she could do a better job than me and it needed to be done her way. I would let her know, I sign your paycheck, so get back in line. And everything would be fine for about five or six months. And then, there we were again. Now, if you are a choleric, melancholy woman, listen to me very carefully. There are men who find that incredibly attractive. And you can't help it because that's how God made you. So good for you. But I'm not one of them. I don't care how good looking you are or how much money comes with you. Uh-uh. Now, some of you in here are really uncomfortable right now because you go, oh, my gosh, she's being really hard on these women that are choleric, melancholy. If you are truly a woman that is choleric, melancholy, that didn't hurt your feelings at all. Because you've been looking back at me for months thinking, Pastor Hooper, if I was married to you, I would put poison in your coffee. And I'm just saying, if I was married to you, I would drink it. And then I would ask you for a second cup, please. You being a cleric melancholy would tell me to go get my own second cup, and I would. And I would drink it too so we could get this over with. But you can't help it. You can't help it. But you got to be aware of it, the strengths you bring to the table, also the weaknesses when it comes to the emotional stuff. Let me pick on somebody else. Let me pick on our lead pastor's wife, Amelie. (laughs) Don't panic. Amelie is a sanguine melancholy. A sanguine people person, melancholy, organized. Very odd. Sanguine feelings and emotions, melancholy, knows where stuff's at and organized. Let's just say the scenario is she's in the lobby, and somebody walks up to her, a woman, and says to her, oh, would you pray for me, Amelie? And Amelie would say, sure, I'll pray for you. Now, I'm going to go about 10 minutes after, so don't anybody panic. Amelie says, sure, I'll pray for you. And and the woman, what's the matter? And the woman said, well, over the Christmas holidays, our cat got out of the house, and our cat's gone. And Amelie said, oh, my gosh. Your cat is gone. A cat's like a member of the family. Oh, no. What was your cat's name? Sparkles. We called our cat Sparkles. Amelie would say, when I was a little girl, we had a cat named Sprinkles. Oh, we love that cat. Do you have a picture of your cat? And Amelie, and the girl, woman would say, well, sure, I got a picture of my cat. Well, send it to me on my phone. Melancholy kicking in. We will make flower, uh, flyers. We'll put a picture of your cat up. We will do the little tear-off tabs at the bottom of the flyers that have your phone number on it. And if anyone has seen this cat, they can call this old number. And you, maybe we can get your cat back. Do you want to offer a reward? And the woman might say, yeah, let's put down there $50. Okay, now Tim, Pastor Tim is walking by, okay? And Pastor Tim only hears $50. That's all he hears. So he says, what are y'all talking about? Now, Tim is a choleric. He is a 39-point choleric. There are only 40 points, people. (laughs) So even though there are a lot of wonderful traits about Pastor Tim, warm and fuzzy is not any of them. So he would say, what are y'all talking about? Amelie would speak, oh, this woman has just lost her cat, and we're going to try to get the cat back. And Tim would would go, 50 bucks? He'd go, isn't there a cat shelter downtown where they, like, give those things away for free? (laughs) And then he would walk on, right? Decision made, action taken, Tim is done. (laughs) 
you would never see Tim walking around our lobby with a pretty basket on his arm filled with Hershey's Kisses, handing those out along with hugs and warm and fuzzy feelings. You're not going to get that from a 39-point choleric. If you ever see Tim in our lobby, he will be standing by a board signing people up to do stuff. <laughs> My name's Tim. I must do projects. <laughs> Are you, are you seeing where I'm coming from? So if we know that about each other, we just automatically realize I'm not going to get the warm and fuzzies. I might even get my feelings hurt, but I get it. I understand it. Let me pick on somebody else. The choleric sanguine. I am a male choleric sanguine. Amanda Biltman, our worship pastor, is a choleric sanguine female. Do you guys know the thing in the back of your head that tells you it's okay to have this thought, but whatever you do, don't say it? You guys know that thing I'm talking about? Okay, we don't have that. <laughs> we will say what I call the last 2%. So if there's ever something you want your husband to know and you don't want to tell, bring him to me because I'll step back, take a look at him, and I will say to him what no one else on this planet will ever say to him. Now, my wife told me, listen, do not pick on Amanda. Because she's loved by everybody, and I know that. And I said, well, I, I don't mind doing that. And I said, why not? She said, she is too pregnant for you to pick on her right now. I said, well, what's that got to do with it? She said, you don't know how she's going to react. And I said, well, what might happen if I pick on her? She said, well, one of, a couple of things. Number one, she could just bust out laughing. I go, well, okay. Or she could bust out crying. And I said, well, I'm good with that. Or she could kill you. So one story and one story only. I was, like in the, I was back in the green room. The green room is the room where the pastors go. We pray. We read scripture. We get our mind wrapped around what the message is going to be. We memorize segues in the message so everything flows real correctly. And we're about to walk out here. That particular Sunday, uh, I didn't feel like trying very hard. I grabbed a pair of jeans out of the closet and I threw them on. And then I grabbed a shirt from the back of the closet that looked like it had been in a paintball fight. But it was a designer shirt. It was really, I thought, cool, although I hadn't worn it in a very, very long time. So I throw it on untucked. I come to church, and a few of you very nice people, you women, you go, oh, Pastor, that's a nice shirt. That's a nice shirt. Well, I don't know if you meant it or not, but I, it was, you, you were kind. So I thought, all right, that's good. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Went back to the green room. Amanda walks in to get a bottle of water. She looks over at me, and she goes, oh, Pastor Hooper, did you leave the house this morning before Anna saw you? And I immediately got defensive. I what? What's wrong with this? And she goes, listen to me. Never leave your house before Anna has a chance to look at you. And I went, I am 50, and I can do it. Okay, you're right. <laughs> if you want to know the difference between Dan and I, my son, I'll, I'll give it to you in a hunting scenario. Here's the difference between me and Dan. And, and this, this, this paints the picture. We're both cholerics, but here's the difference. If we're hunting, and I'm on the rangefinder, and he's beside me with a bow, the conversation would go like this. Dan, we got one coming in at 40 yards, or 40 yards, or coming in, coming in Broadway, sideways, coming in sideways. And Dan, uh, Dan would go, ready, aim, aim, they're at 39 yards, Dan, 39. Aim, aim, 38, 38 yards. Aim, aim, 39 yards, Dan. Aim, 40, 
42 yards, Dan, and fire. And I was like, what in the world were you waiting on? That thing could have walked off. He said, well, I wanted it to just quarter itself away from me another half inch. I'm like, but it could have walked out of the field. And he would say, but it didn't. I got it. It's laying out there at 50 yards. Change it around. He's got the range finder. I got the bow. He said, Dad, one's coming in at 57 yards. One in from the left at 57 yards. I would go, ready, fire, aim, aim, aim. Man, I wish I would have aimed. And he would say, it was coming in closer. You had more time. Why didn't you aim better? I said, well, I got it, didn't I? And it's laying out there about a mile and a half. We'll have to track it. Every one of us have strengths and every one of us have weaknesses. I've been married to my wife for 39 years. I absolutely adore the woman, love her. Rather play golf with her than anybody else on the planet because I can destroy her on the golf course. <laughs> Cerebral stuff, I'm dead. But, but here's, here's three things you've got to do if you want to make a long-lasting relationship work. Number one, go to your corners. Go to your corners. Oh, my God. You go one place in the morning, let her go another place in the morning and have coffee with her father and talk to her father about her and then talk to your father about your log in your own eye. I've talked about this a lot. But you've got to go to your corners every day. Here's a second thing you got to do. Take a look at this. Stop trying to change your mate. Stop trying to change them. They're, they're not going to change. Uh, to Anna, our home is Anna's happy place. To me, our home is a party place. If I could have it my way, we would have 12 to 15 people over, and you guys, we would do a grill on the back in the back portion. After we grilled some burgers or something, then we'd go out in the backyard and we would play cornhole toss for a buck a game. That's right. That's right. I'd take your money from you. We'd play a buck a game. And then before you left, I'd have all of you stacking firewood for me. Cleric, cleric, Anna, no, 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 let's have two or three people over that we know really well, and let's sit inside at the dining room table, and let's play a board game where we can communicate and have fun and get to know each other on a deeper level. And I'm like, I don't want to know them on a deeper level. But the home's Anna's. And the relationship's in her hands, so I relinquish control. Let me give you the, let me, let me give you the third one. Uh, kindness and respect. Kindness and respect. What's the key, Hooper? 39 years. You're still in love with each other, still like crazy, crazy, crazy. We're in love with each other on a different level now. A really at a different level. And the key factor is that she is a precious daughter of my Heavenly Father. And he tells me I'm to be kind and not harsh to her. And I say, yes, sir. Because that doesn't depend on how she's acting. And God told her she is to respect me, whether I deserve it or I don't. And my wife says, yes, sir, Daddy. I'll do that. And over the years, we've learned that how we talk to each other sets the tone of our home and of our vacation trips together and of our life. It's all about the words that are coming out of our mouth to each other. So I treat her like the precious girl that she is. I don't yell at her. I don't call her names. 
I'm not mean to her. Christ wasn't that way to the church. She's a girl. So I don't talk to girls like I talk to guys. She's a girl. And it doesn't matter whether she deserves it or not. I'm going to spoil the heck out of her. And I'm going to talk to her in the right way. Now, women, listen to me very carefully. You have got to stop trying to change your husband because it's not your job, you're not his God, and you will screw it up worse if you try. And girls, you've got to stop trying to pick the little problems out of your husband's eye while all the time you're banging him in the head with the log that is coming out of yours. I think I have a quote up there. Do I have this quote up there? Did you guys get that back in the back? Everybody read this. You can't fix yourself. My wife does not want to be married to a choleric sanguine who is mean, who is hateful, who is unforgiving and unhappy. But she does love being married to a choleric sanguine, because I'm opposite of her, she thinks that's kind of cool, who is kind, who is forgiving, who is generous, and who is happy. Take a look at Galatians real quick on the side screen. I'm shutting it down. Take a look. All of those fruits up there come from the Spirit. And you say, okay, I think I got it now. I just got to add those things to what I'm doing and I'll be okay. That won't work. And here's why. You can't fake fruit. You must be filled with the Holy Spirit or it won't work. There you go. Next week, take a look at this. Next week, the third message is called I'm Under Control by our lead pastor. I love you. See ya. Bye-bye.